it going today, guys? Back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with CP3. I'm your host, Thomas Penland, joined once again on Friday, June 4th by Ben Gorwitz. Ben, say what's up to the people. Happy Friday. Happy happy almost weekend. We're recording this around 5 o'clock Eastern time, so it's just about the weekend off the work day. So uh, let's, let's get after it this weekend. What do you say? Hey, I, I like the I like the intensity, Ben. Let's definitely get after this weekend. It's a great weekend not to work, a great weekend to watch some NBA playoffs, which is what we're gonna talk about for y'all. And look, it's been a wild couple days. I didn't I thought at first, you know, I was like, yeah, we can roll into the weekend and not do a Friday podcast, but too much has happened that it's just become an absolute must. You know, I expected us to have two game sevens to watch this weekend. Instead, we might have zero. Um Ben, I mean, there's a lot that happened last night and a lot that's happened the last couple of days, like I just said, but obviously we got to talk about LeBron James here. So LeBron. I guess kind of my, my first question and takeaway from the game yesterday is first, first of all, LeBron James got punked by Jay Crowder last night. He got absolutely punked by him. I don't know if you saw or not, but in a, I guess it was game three when the Lakers kind of went on that big run. They were all like Drummond was like doing the LeBron move from the sidelines and it was on Jay Crowder. And it was kind of like they were making fun of him, you know, like even when Jay Crowder got traded from the Celtics and that Kyrie trade to Cleveland, it kind of felt like LeBron didn't want him and basically casted him out to Utah, you know, and said like, get the hell on out of here. He didn't want him. And now it's kind of like Jay Crowder's exacting his revenge. But honestly, I was sitting there watching that game last night. I mean, look, like I told you guys on the podcast, I didn't think the Lakers would have a cakewalk. I thought getting past the Suns would be the hardest task they would have to do in the playoffs. I could, there was no way I was going to pick against the Lakers because we've seen LeBron do it too many times. Honestly, that ankle injury really hurt LeBron. He did not look like the same player. And to be honest with you, I think the regression of LeBron's career has started. Yeah. Um, so I, I did see Jay Crowder post something, I think, on Instagram. Yep. about it. I'm assuming that's what you were referring to. I mean, it's, it's, well, it's, it's all fun and games. Le- LeBron doesn't give a shit. I mean, he, he's got no reason to care. Um, it, it's all fun and games. Listen, you, you, uh, you make fun of someone or you uh, joke around on the court, you got to take it back sometimes. So um, in, in terms of the regression, um, yeah, I mean, the, the injury uh, to his ankle definitely affected his mobility. Um, although when he, when he did, there was a couple of possessions, he did put his head down and went strong to the basket. So it's, he could do it. I just don't think he could do it for the entire game. He had to play a, a pretty much. I mean, he just couldn't come out yesterday. They, every time he was out, the Lakers just couldn't do anything. I mean, it's, I, I think I said it on our last podcast. Um, I heard it from someone else. So I'm not going to take credit for it, but I do believe this is true. Um, Anthony Davis is the best player on that team. And LeBron James was the most important player. So without AD, that Laker team is completely different from when they do have him. He's a top five, top seven player in the NBA, kind of depending on where you rank AD. Um, LeBron lets AD get going. And if it's AD's game from early on, he's going to be the, the leading scorer of the game. That's, that's just the way it is right now. Uh, I'm not totally saying LeBron takes a back seat to AD, because he doesn't, it's kind of co-piloting, but he does let AD kind of steer the ship when everyone's healthy, and th- they couldn't get anything done, specifically defensively. Uh, I mean, Devin Booker, I think he hit, what, six or seven threes in the first half, maybe eight, something like that. Yeah, I mean, even in the first, like, five minutes of the game, Devin Booker couldn't yeah, miss. He was unconscious. He was, I mean, just a walking bucket. So, um, you know, in terms of the regression, 
I I do not have LeBron as the best player in the NBA anymore. Um, I I actually I, I think I have him as third. I think I have KD and Giannis at one and two. I'll put LeBron third, Curry fourth, and Luka fifth. That's going to be my top five as of today. Um, I'm I'm okay with that list. I think it's a strong list. I think you can mix and match a couple guys in there, but that's the top five I'm going to go with. Yeah, I don't know. It's very hard for me to really like move around on my list. LeBron, I mean, obviously I used to have him at one. I mean, to be honest with you, I could argue he's not even in the top 10 anymore after seeing what we saw last night. I mean, last night was pretty bad. I mean, we've seen other players. What? You said top, you said you might have him out of the top 10. I mean, based off his playoff performance, his playoff performance was terrible. I mean, last night was his highest scoring game at 29 points. I mean, we saw so many other players carry and elevate their teams so much higher in these playoff games than LeBron did, you know, like, I I really don't think he has it like that anymore. Like, I think that he's, I mean, obviously he still has his IQ. He's still a great passer. He's a much better shooter than he used to be. But I think his athleticism and his ability and his quickness, you know, to get to the cup definitely lost a lot of it. I mean, he didn't show really any of it in that series. You know, most of the time he went to the hole, it was him getting fouled. Most of his big plays was him, you know, backing somebody down and shitting a little shot over him, you know, or hitting like a pull-up three or something like that. It wasn't really – you know, LeBron blowing by somebody and bringing the hammer. So, uh, I mean, you don't think that has, you don't think that comes down to the ankle though? No, that's Not what I was about to say. For him, but yeah, I mean, that has an impact. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it could have to do with the ankle based off the way he performed in the, in the playoffs. I wouldn't say he was one of the top 10 performers in the playoffs, you know, now, he could still easily have it. It could definitely still be that ankle injury, you know. But honestly, I'm not going to knock LeBron's legacy for the loss. Look, like we said, like we said, like me and you were texting about earlier. I mean, he's 30 freaking six years old. You know, he's a 36-year-old. His, I mean, Anthony Davis, who's definitely a top 10 player in the league, probably like 8, 9, or 10, didn't play pretty much. He's banged up. I mean, he's coming back from an injury. It's tough to do that. When you're 36 years old, you know, you don't bounce back like that. That's why I don't want to overreact and say LeBron's out of the top 10, but – you know, like it's, it's definitely tough right now. I mean, that was pathetic last night. I was really expecting LeBron to come out and give us a vintage game, you know, like that Miami game six against the Celtics where he had his hands on his hips and he, you know, was making the face. We didn't see anything close to that last night. Um, I think you, you kind of cut out there for a second. Elvis, yeah. You said something. Yeah. My bad. I mean, I, I do want to mention it was almost like the 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 sun like the suns were going the opposite direction of the lakers and what i mean by that is so ad got hurt you know pretty early on in the series i think it was his came up hobbling on the knee but he, he was going to play through it he said he was okay and then each game after that a new injury or the same injury just got worse and worse while chris paul had the bad injury early on in the series and got more healthy um and, and by the time chris paul was healthy enough to play which was basically those last two games um, very effective, very efficient on the floor. Um, I mean, you, you watch Chris Paul play those last two games at the Suns won, and that's why he's point guard. Like, he, he controls the tempo on the floor. He gets everyone involved, takes efficient shots, doesn't turn the ball over. That's why he's the point guard. That's, what, that's who Chris Paul is. AD was getting worse in health, and Chris Paul was getting healthier. And – you know, like we said in the beginning, the Suns literally just wouldn't miss in the first half last night. Yeah, no, that, that was an unbelievable start. I mean, the Lakers are literally buried from the get-go. Um, but I, I do want to I, I do want to say this about the Lakers because 
I don't think people are talking the same. I think people have changed their their thoughts and the perspective on the Lakers. So like in the begin in the beginning of the year, uh-huh. I don't think you found a lot of people that would say the Lakers role players around AD and LeBron are bad. I don't think you heard that a lot, but now that you saw what they could do, there's a lot I've I've already read and seen a lot of people saying that the Lakers uh, role players aren't that good. So I mean, which one is it? You you can't say they're they're pretty good, and then when they fail, that they're bad. Well, they were either bad from the beginning because, I mean, listen, Kyle Kuzma so far in his NBA career has been nothing to talk about, nothing to talk about. Alex Caruso has had moments where he shined. He plays hard. I get that. But he's like the eighth man on a basketball team. Like he's not that good. You know what I mean? Um, KCP, like average, an average NBA player. I I don't know if he's – I I don't think the Lakers' core was that good around LeBron. I'm not making an excuse for that because he had LeBron and AED. But I've seen a lot of people switch sides on that perspective. So did you think the role players were good enough to start the year? And kind of I mean, do you have that same thought process thought process now? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because I heard a lot of that talk today. And to be honest with you, Ben, I remember specifically me and you both came on this podcast before the season started. And we both said that we felt like that the Lakers got better because they added Montrez Harold and Dennis Schroeder. So, I mean, if anything, they got better with the role player positions, but yet somehow everyone says they got worse. I mean, it even added Andre Drummond as the season went on, you know? So if anything, I think that their roster was better this year when it was last year. I really just think it came down to Anthony Davis and LeBron's injuries. You know I mean? When you're, it's pretty tough to win anything when your top two players get hurt, you know, like people bash James Harden for losing that series against the Warriors. I mean, it's pretty freaking hard to win without Chris Paul and the rest of your team's a G league squad, you know? So. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's true. But also like Montrez Harrell was a non-factor for the Lakers. Yeah. He, he went from like a six man of the year player um, on the, did he win it last year or did um, Schroeder win it last year? No, he won it last year. He Trez won it last year. Yeah. Okay. So they got the six man of the year from the Clippers and he was like, he barely played in the beginning of the series. And then when he did play, he was like a non-factor. So I don't know what happened with him. I, I, I mean, I have no idea what happened with him. He was a non-factor the entire time, every time he was on the court. Yeah. Oh, I think honestly, the biggest problem was he just didn't fit in the rotation, you know, cause you got Davis, LeBron's going to play power forward at some time. I mean, realistically, you're finishing Kuzma lineup a against bit. those teams. Yeah, you see, like, you have – so you have LeBron, Davis, Kuzma, Harold, Drummond, and Gasol. That's six big men right there that all need to play. And your problem is, you know, Harold is the most – like, has to play back to the basket, can't really shoot threes. You know, Gasol can pass and play on the perimeter. Like, Kuzma plays on the perimeter. LeBron play on the perimeter. Davis – Harold's really the only one that just straight up can only play inside. So I feel like, honestly, he's just the odd man out in the rotation. But, you know, we could sit here and talk all day about that game, about everything with LeBron. It's still crazy to think that he's not in the playoffs anymore, but we knew it had to happen eventually. Um, Let's talk about another choke job in game. I mean, this one's actually a choke job here in a game six, and that is the Portland Trailblazers versus the Denver Nuggets. I mean, 
man, I mean, Portland, I was sitting there fat and happy at halftime. Portland was up by 15. I was like, hell yeah, this is going to be for sure. Game seven, like it's Dame time. Don't doubt it. I mean, Dame was popping off. It felt like Portland used all their energy in the first half to get up so big. And then Denver just came out and adjusted and punched them in the mouth. Honestly, I don't think Mike Malone gets enough credit for how good of a coach he is and just the adjustments he made throughout this game and throughout this series. I mean, literally, they picked Austin Rivers up off the street, and this dude's out here being one of their best players. They got Monte Morris back. Monte Morris balling out, saying, why is nobody talking about me as being a great role player in this league? I mean, this entire team had just had so many guys who barely even played. I mean, they added Aaron Gordon, but let's be honest. Nobody put any respect on Nikola Jokic's name. Anybody, we looked for any reason possible for anybody besides him to be the MVP. This dude's a beast. I mean, Portland, obviously, we'll get into the Portland side of things in a little bit, but they really had no answer for him inside. But anytime he put that floater up in the paint, I was like, it's going in for sure. I mean, he finds shooters everywhere, makes everyone better. But Ben, we both called him out. Michael Porter Jr. We said he played terrible and then he should be ashamed of himself. And it looks like he didn't even try to get better. I don't know if he listened to the podcast or what, but he took it. If they have that Jordan meme, you know, he took it personally. And he absolutely went off these last two games, especially last night. I mean, him and Joe Kick looked amazing together. Listen, his offense is never going to be an issue. The dude was born to be a scorer oh, yeah. in the game of basketball. It just comes so easily to him. Um, obviously, it helps when you're that tall, can handle and can shoot it like he is. But I mean, he was the number one prospect out of high school, if I'm, if I'm remembering yeah, correctly. Yeah, he was, over Trey Young um, and all of them. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the dude's a stud. And we talk about it a lot, uh, whether it's on the podcast or kind of texting each other. There's no one that has depth like like the Denver Nuggets. They mm-hmm. legit have, like, too many guys that they can play. Yeah. Um, Jokic, I mean, officially, I, I don't know if, I'm sure some people maybe have had like Embiid in the conversation, but officially the best big man in the NBA, once he, once the MVP is announced, I would say, um, I mean, the dude's a stud. He, he is so, he moves in such slow motion, just like Luca does. And he gets to his spot every single time. And if he doesn't get to his spot, he's finding an open teammate. Um, I kind of want to get into it now. Uh, let's talk about Portland's big men. They're atrocious at defense. Awesome. They've always, Portland's problem, um, really since Damian Lillard has been, a, has been a superstar in this league, has always been the defensive side. Always been it. Um, you know, Dame's not a horrible defender, but I wouldn't say he's a good one. Uh, but that's okay because his offense more than makes up for it. McCullum, when healthy, is a, is a solid defender. Norman Powell is solid, but their big men are atrocious at defense. I mean, they're so bad. And... I mean, Nurkic, offensive guy. Cantor, offensive guy. Zach Collins is never healthy. Um, They just – like, Mello plays forward. I mean, they just don't have the guys. It's a horrendous matchup when you're facing Jokic and you don't have any big men to defend. And he made him pay. No, absolutely. I mean, I would 150% fire Terry Stotts after this series is over. I mean, don't get me wrong – it's not necessarily his fault that their big men suck at defense, but I mean, their defense, like you were just saying, looked horrible. I mean, they didn't have a prayer at stopping Jokic, and that's really why they lost the series. Now, back to what you said about Dame, I think Dame's biggest problem is he's just a scorer, and he's not really like an offensive like distributor. You know what I mean? Like he's more just a scorer, which I mean is not necessarily a knock on him. I mean, it's a lot of how like Kyrie Irving is. You know, that's the thing that kind of keeps Dame from being a top five player in the league is guys like. Harden, guys like LeBron, like Luka, all the guys we've been talking about, even Jokic, like these guys, 
not only can they get theirs, but they can also rise everyone's play up another level. Like 150% Jokic took everyone's play to the next level. And honestly, like, I really think Jokic has moved himself about as close to the top five players in the league as a center can get after this performance. It doesn't even matter what happens the rest of the playoffs. But I just feel like that Dame and CJ, the team doesn't work. I feel like they, it's time to just break everything up. Like Terry Stotts, it's not working out. Like Dame and CJ. See, the thing is, Dame and CJ both just are isolation scores at the end of the day. Now they're better off when they had guys like Harkless, when they had guys like uh, Amino who would kind of stand in the corner and hit threes and were three and D guys, basically. I mean, Norman Powell is also just an ISO scorer. I mean, Nurkic kind of an ISO post scorer, you know, like it just feels like that they that every single player on their team, even Mello, I mean, all these guys are basically just ISO players. There's not someone who, you know, is like a, sets other people up or just like a straight shooter and defensive guy. I mean, except for Covington, obviously, but I don't know. I just feel like this roster, man, I feel like it's time for Portland to do something different. Like, I don't know if I want to trade Damian Lillard. You might not ever be able to get what back what you want. I mean, the fans love Damian Lillard. You got to think about it from the perspective is Portland's a small market, you know, like you're probably not, unless you draft right again, you're probably not going to get a player as good as Dame in a trade or in free agency. I don't hate keeping him, but I mean, I think McCollum has to be up, has to be traded. Um, I think Nurkic is available for trade. I think every single player on this roster, except for Damian Lillard, should be up for trade. And you got to do everything you can to try to get one player to come in there and win. I mean, you always see Portland's name in the conversation to get these guys. I mean, they can't really get them, but at least, you know, they actually do try to bring somebody in for Dame. But I just feel like we know now it's not, I mean, we've seen enough times it's not working. And I feel like they got to switch it up and do something different. I mean, I definitely agree with with part of what you're saying. I mean, it's it, at one point. I mean, CJ and Dame just they're not they're not winning. They're mm-hmm. not winning enough. Um, I I do agree with the roster uh, shakeup points that you make. Um, I think it's you know Dame just signed that massive deal, and he's obviously worth it. Um, he's probably worth even more than what he signed for, to be honest with you. But I think it's hard to find it. And this might sound weird, but I think it's hard to find a trading partner for Lillard, not because of like I mean every single NBA team would want Damian Lillard. Yeah. But what are you gonna? What are you willing to give up? And what? And how much money can you take on? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's a lot to ask. Um, even like I was kind of talking to some of my Nick Nick friends today, and they're like, yeah, I mean. Why, why would, as a Knicks fan, why would I not want Dame Lillard? But do I have to give up the farm to get him? Because then we're back to square one. Like, do I have to give up pretty much everyone except for, like, Julius Randle? You know, you give up Barrett, you give up Mitch Robinson, you give up Pitts. You, is it worth it? I, I don't know. Um, I think McCollum, who I actually just looked it up, he's on a four-year, um, yeah. 106-mil deer, uh, deal, so it's like, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he's a good player. I think he's a solid defender. I think he's a good offensive player. Um, I, I just don't know if you're going to get what you want back. So I, I think it's a tricky situation. Um, I, don't, I, I think before you fire Terry Stotts, I think you, the general manager owes it to Lillard to talk to him before making a decision. I agree. Um, because you don't want to fire Terry Stotts if Lillard loves playing for him and loves him, because then that pisses him off, and you can't lose both of them. No, then your I... franchise might be shipping out of Portland, going to another city. Yeah. Um, so 
it's it's a tricky situation for Portland. Um, you know, if Terry Stotts was fired, I agree with you saying I don't think it's fair, but it might just be time. Um, I think he would be picked up very quickly to be a coach because I think he's a solid coach. No, I agree with you completely. I mean, you de- you don't want to do anything that's going to piss off Dame at the end of the day. And also, too, you know, I definitely think Terry Stotts has done well. You know, I just feel like that it just comes to a point, you know, where that it the success hasn't happened. You can't get to the next level. You've come close. You know, it's almost like the Falcons thing with Dan Quinn, for example. Like, he took you to the Super Bowl. He takes you to the playoffs the next year. He, you have a shitty season the next year. Then he has another shitty season. Then it's just kind of like, all right, like, we've experienced the highs of highs. It's the lows of lows now. Time to move on. I feel like that's how it is for Portland now. It's two first-round exits in a row, you know. I mean, the West is tough, man. I agree with you, though. I mean, I wouldn't just trade CJ McCollum to trade him, but I would wait for the right trade to become available. Because, I mean, we've seen, like, these things always come available at the right times. I mean, shit, Houston basically gave away James Harden, you know? So, they stacked a was bunch it two of or, Was it two or three seasons ago that the Blazers made the Western Conference Final? That was three. If you count this year – it was yeah. two seasons ago, but or would it be? Uh, well, regardless, there's only been so the it was the Raptors. It was the year the Raptors won. Okay, so I guess that's two seasons ago. Yeah, so that's two seasons ago. Yeah, Counting and then obviously, year. and then two first round exits after one, including the bubble year. But still, yeah. um, it's it's tough, man. It, it's really tough. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, though, it comes down to what I always say. In the NBA, you aren't doing shit without two top 15 players, realistically even two top 10 players. That's what it takes to get it done in the league. And the Blazers, I mean, I love McCollum Death. I think he's a great player. I don't think he's ever been better than 25. So it's been tough times out here in Portland. Um, Let's get to the game tonight, man. I'm pretty hyped to watch this game tonight. We got the Dallas Mavericks playing the um, – they're, they're taking on the, the Clippers tonight. This is game six. We're back in Dallas. So first crazy thing about this series is pretty much the road team or the road team has won every single game. Um, it's crazy just how all that's gone down. I mean, we watched Luca injure his shoulder, then get a couple games off and then get his shoulder back to 100% and at, or I guess not 100%, but enough to drop 40 plus on the Clippers and to steal one on the road. Ben, what do you think happens tonight? You know, you and I were talking about this earlier today. Um, I really can't find a way to pick a side in this game. It, it's mm-hmm. just so tough. Um, I, I think there's two interesting trends in terms of gambling that that one's going to be a pick of mine and one's kind of just a lean. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's hard to convince yourself not to take the Clippers because I think most people think the Clippers overall are a better team and the road team has won in every game so far. Um but you know what? I, they can't stop Luka. Like Kawhi and Paul George are supposed to be one, some of the best two-way ball players in the NBA, offensively and defensively. That's what these guys are known for. And they have no answer for Luka, like none at all. I mean, he scored 40 points through three quarters. I think he only finished with like 42 or 44, but still, 40 through three quarters just means you can't stop someone. And he's done it all series except for the game he got hurt. So my gut says lean – Clippers because the road team has won every game, but that was a plus three for the Mavericks at home. That's, that's tough not to take either. So I'm staying off of it. I would lean Clippers just because that's how the trend's going. But the one you and I talked about, and I'll let you kind of talk about a little bit more is uh, Luca, his over has hit. It's four and one in this series. 
The one game it lost was the game he had the neck strain or the neck, whatever they're calling it, and he didn't play the entire second half. So, you know, they haven't stopped Luka. I'll let you kind of add more to that, but I think that's going to be one of my picks. I haven't locked it in yet. Uh, I think you have, so I'll let you talk about it. Yeah, so I have locked it in. Actually, somebody just texted me earlier and said it's up to minus 145 on the juice, so it might even go to 32 and a half. But be honest with you, I think Luke is dropping a 40-piece tonight. I mean, all the reasons you said, Ben, I feel like it's so difficult to pick a side in this game. I mean, first off, so sharp action took it up to from two to three on the Clippers. Then now Mavs sharp action has come back in, taking it down to two and a half. So, I mean, that just tells you even more that nobody knows what the hell is going to happen tonight just based off sharp action. Um like Ben said, you can either play the trend or you can play what we've seen with our eyes. It's just the Clippers not being able to stop Luka. I think the for sure thing we know tonight is that Kawhi and Luka are both going to bring it. They're both going to go off and score a ton of points. I expect 40 from both of them tonight, at least upper 30s for both of them, 35 plus. But yeah, you know, I think it's going to be a tough game. Like Dallas, it kind of felt like they just threw some random lineup in last game. And that was with Boban and KP in at the same time. And it worked, man. I mean, Rick Carlisle's Huge. a better coach than T. Lou. People don't even think about that. They have the coaching edge. Paul George, what is Paul George known for doing in the playoffs? Uh, 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 choking. So, you know, I feel like that, I feel like Dallas gets it done. I really do tonight. And if it goes seven, I'm going with Luka, man. I just feel like it's Luka magic. I feel like we've seen a changing of the guard in this NBA playoffs. I mean, we watched Booker put out LeBron. We watched Trey Young put out Derrick Rose in the Knicks. Um, I feel like there's another one I'm forgetting here where we have a young guy put out put out the old vets. But I just feel like that this playoffs has been all about how the how the skills have changed up in the league. Yeah, I mean, I really don't have too much more to add. This this series is it's whack, man. It's 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 great basketball to watch. It's tough to bet on. No, I absolutely agree with you on that. Um, before we go to – before we preview the net, the second-round matchups, we're going to do that as real quick. I just want to shout out the 2018 draft class. So, I don't know if I've done a podcast with you before that, Ben. I actually don't think I had because I think that was right when you started doing your college football one. But I said all the, – the, when I first started doing my podcast, this would be the best draft class ever when we look back on it. I thought it could even possibly give that LeBron, Mello, Wade one a run for its money. And so far, they're off to a good start. First pick was DeAndre Ayton. Second was Marvin Bagley, who ended up busting or has busted so far. Third or oh, he's, third. On the, he's on the Kings. You have to mention he's on the Kings. Yeah, he's on the Kings and he had been able to stay healthy. So, I mean, I will say this. Unfortunately, I thought he'd be the third best player in the whole draft class. So I definitely whiffed on the, that the Kings right now. Are, the Kings right now are like the Pistons. You just go to that city to die. Yeah, I feel bad for Fox. Get him out of there. But three was Luca. Four was Jaron Jackson Jr. Five, Trey Young. Not to mention you had Colin Sexton at eight. Mikel Bridges at 10. Gilgis Alexander at 11. Miles Bridges at 12. I mean, you can just keep going down and down the list. There's been so many good players out of this draft class already. Michael Porter Jr. went 14th. 14th for Michael Porter Jr. So this draft mm. class is definitely holding its own, and they're far from over. Well, that's um, a strong class. That's a really strong class. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I guarantee you, I'm telling you, the best players out of that class will be Luca, Trey, Sexton, Porter Jr. for sure. That's definitely going to be the top of that class. But I mean, even I hope, Sexton, I hope Sexton gets out of Cleveland. Oh, I know. You saw those rumors, right? That he wanted out. So, well, apparently they don't like him. Yeah, which is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. The Cavs have nothing going for them besides Colin Sexton. So please send him on to Atlanta. We'll gladly take him off your hands. Um, Anyway, let's talk about these second round matchups. Go ahead, Ben, get it out of the way. Let's talk about our Hawks here. We got Philly. Embiid has a meniscus tear. Still going to give it a go. I mean, what are you thinking here? 
So apparently he did participate in some practice today. I, I'm not going to read much into that. I wasn't there at practice, so I, I mean, I don't really care. Um, I know your initial thoughts on this, and I am not as optimistic as I think you are. So I'll let you be Mr. Positive here, and I'll, I'll try not to be too much of a negative Nancy, but um, I have the Hawks losing in six in this series. Um, I think they're going to struggle in Philly. Um, I, I'm kind of interested to see who guards Trey Young because if you do put Ben Simmons or Mighty Steibel on him, I think those are guys that can really shut him down. They have absurd length. They're both elite defenders in the league. They're both bigger guys than Trey, so they can play physical with him, and you're not going to get a foul call. Um, I, I think if Trey can get whoever's guarding him in trouble or foul trouble early, is the key. Now, a lot of people that I know hate this about Trey Young. Um, I'm not going to say I love that he does this, but the, you know, the drawing the fouls that he does coming off screens. Listen, you can be as mad as you want, but Damian Lillard does the same thing a lot. That's what shooters do. If the rule, listen, it may be a loophole in, in a rule right now, but until the league changes it or calls it differently, that's how Trey Young is going to play basketball. It's smart. When you're a smaller guy, you have to be more creative in the ways that you can score. Trey's figured out that that works for him because he's a tremendous free throw shooter. So if he can take out whoever guards him from Philly early, I think the Hawks definitely have a better chance. Um, you know, I, I think the Hawks, they have a lot of shooters around Trey Young and even when Trey's not in the game. So they can keep up with scoring. I just don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how if, – if Embiid is healthy enough to play like 80% of himself, I don't think Capella matches up great with him because the athleticism for Embiid and his footwork is just off the chart. Uh, Capella is a really strong guy, but Embiid is a big, strong guy that's also quick and has really good footwork. So, I mean, it's an interesting matchup. I'm going to say Sixers and six. Um, if Embiid is fully healthy by game one and, and does not get injured, I might even say Sixers and five because I think the Hawks are going to struggle in Philly. But I'm going to say Sixers and six, and I'm going to be very proud of the Hawks regardless. So, Ben, I know you were not expecting this at all, but look, we're Atlanta, man. I want to stay as the underdogs. I'm going to agree with you here. Look, if Embiid's healthy, I'm going to go ahead and say this. There is no chance the Hawks win this series if Embiid's able to play and actually be effective while he's in the game and play more than 20 minutes. I personally don't think he's going to be. I mean, a torn meniscus in your knee is a massive injury. If he's out, the Hawks can take this series, and I think they will take this series. The Hawks actually have the size and the players to defend a guy like Tobias Harris. We have many options we can throw at him. I mean, Ben Simmons, we watched him go, I think it was like 5 from 15 from the line in that game against the Wizards. <coughs> ben Simmons is not going to beat us with his offense. He will have good matchups, but – if you're resting on Ben Simmons' offense to win you a series, it's simply not happening. Now, from the flip side of things, Philly's size is going to be a problem for Atlanta for sure. But, I mean, Capella – don't get me wrong. Capella's a beast. But out after Capella, there's not another soul on that roster who can guard him. And you know for a fact Capella's not going to not get in foul trouble. You know, it just doesn't not happen. I mean, even in the going back to Capella's days in the playoffs, he does get in a little bit of foul trouble with big men who can bang like that. The Knicks didn't really have a guy like that. 
Now, Trey is going to be able to get his. I personally think this Hawks team, after playing in New York, I think it's the perfect environment to transition over. If Embiid's not able to play play in enough game in at least five of these games effectively, the Hawks will win the series. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go with Philly though. I want to stay as the underdog. I don't want people picking us. That's when Atlanta chokes. I want to stay as the underdog, Atlanta, just like we were against the Knicks. I mean, everyone and their mom thought the Knicks was going to win the series. I think it's going to be a hell of a series, good games and all, but I'm going to have to go with Philly here. I, I think the the offensive rebounding that Philly can possess and throw at mm-hmm. you um, could be a strength in this series. Now, like when Capella's out of the game, they're going to play uh, – what's his name? The center we just drafted. Oh, Okongwu. He went off last Okongwu. Yeah, he's strong. But their bench center is Dwight Howard, who is much stronger and knows how to play the game of basketball a lot more than a rookie does. And, you know, they're off. I think the key is if you're going to give up an offensive rebound, and this goes for both teams, because both the Hawks and the Sixers do this well. If you give up an offensive rebound, you have to limit the threes that you give up off of those offensive rebounds. You got to make sure that they either go to the free throw line um, or, you know, if it's a big man like Dwight, I'll even include Ben Simmons as a big man, six to six, ten. Uh, Capella is not the greatest free throw shooter. Those kind of guys make it hard for them because mm-hmm. you can't give up easy twos. Um, this is going to be interesting. They're, they're, I mean, I like that the Hawks can throw like DeAndre Hunter and Gallinari and uh, and uh, Bogdanovich and, and, and Solomon Hill, these type of guys at Ben Simmons. So I do agree with you on that point. It's just can everyone else – you know, they, they play a similar style as the Hawks, except that they have a big man that they can give the ball to inside. The Hawks don't really go inside, but they like to spread their shooters out. And you know what? You can't leave Danny Green open. You can't leave um, Tyrese Maxey open. Um, Cork mocks. You can't leave him open. These guys can shoot. So the offensive rebounding, limiting the threes off of them is, is what I'm going to call my X factor of the series. Yeah, no, I'm going to agree with you completely on that one. Philly can drain threes, and that's really where the kill teams with Ben Simmons and Embiid getting those rebounds and kicking them out to guys like Harris and Seth Curry and Danny Green draining threes. So I think that's a great point you make there. Um, Let's go to the Western Conference series before we come back over to the East, and let's uh, talk about the Suns versus the Nuggets. What do you think is going down here in this one? I mean, this is – so this is a little bit tougher of a matchup for Jokic. Um, DeAndre Aiden is very athletic. DeAndre Aiden is very big and he's very strong. It's much tougher for Jokic, uh, you know, versus going Nurkic or whoever the Blazers were throwing at him. Jokic is smart, though. Jokic knows that if he can get Aiden in foul trouble, he's going to go 30-plus triple doubles if if Aiden's not guarding him. So I'm, I'm expecting Jokic to go at Aiden early with a lot of head fakes, a lot of pump fakes. Um, so that's something I'm going to be looking for. You know, the other thing is, can the Suns stay hot? Um, we know we know Booker can can do this forever. He did this for was it eight games in the bubble that went eight no or whatever they did. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I can make a strong case that that Devin Booker might be a future MVP in this league, if not just a future scoring champion in this league, because the man could fill up a bucket easy. Absolutely. As long as Chris, as long as Chris Paul stays healthy, 
I like the Suns in this matchup. I do. I, I think the Suns roll wing players uh, like Bridges plays some good defense, and Bridges can guard Michael Porter Jr. because he's got good size on him. Crowder, who's a little undersized, has always been some one of the toughest guys on the court. It's almost like he was born to be a Grizzlies player when they had like Zach Randolph and in the whatever their nickname was, the Grindhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's who Crowder is. So I think Crowder, Bridges, those types of players play enough defense and Chris Paul, as long as he's healthy, I do like the Suns in this matchup. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you on this one actually. I like the Suns here in this matchup. Look, I think the Suns outside of Aiden don't have a lot of guys that can stop Jokic, but on the flip side of things, Denver's defense is good, but I don't think they match up well with Phoenix either. Like you said, you know, Booker's gonna have a lot of mismatches out on the wing. I mean Chris Paul, he's gonna have to play well, but realistically, I don't know if Denver's going to be able to win on the road in Phoenix, man. That Phoenix crowd was ruckus. I mean, the Lakers struggled playing there a lot. I mean, that crowd, especially in that game when they played without their, uh, when they did, when they played kind of without Chris Paul in the campaign, I mean, they almost, that, that game was like a two point game with about like four minutes to go. And that crowd brought them back when they were down by 15, you know, I think the crowd could do the same thing for him again. Um, also too, you know, this Suns team was a team, to be honest with you, they, I personally think they're the best team in the league um, this, or I think they're the best team in the West this regular season. Obviously the Jazz had a better season and a better record, but I personally just think the Suns are the better team. You know, this team had to figure it out. They had new pieces. The Jazz pretty much had everybody back again, which is the reason why you were high on them before the season started. You know, the Suns had to figure things out. Once they figured it out, this team was damn good. And I mean, they won their division in the West, which is very hard to do. They beat out the Clippers, the Lakers, the Blazers, all these teams to have the best record in that division. And they proved it. This Suns team plays defense, man. They can D you up. They can hit three-point balls. They play team ball. They play smart. I mean, they have the NBA coach of the year, Monty Williams, coaching them up. I personally think Phoenix wins this game. And I mean, be honest with you, if Dallas, if Dallas doesn't get by the Clippers tonight, I'm picking the Suns to win the West. But if Dallas gets by the Clippers, I'm taking Dallas. Okay. He's gonna ride the Luka Magic. Um wait, anything else you want to say on this game? No, I was just to say, it sounds like you're going to ride the Luka Magic for as long as you can. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like we're watching the the net. I feel like Luka is going to take the reins from LeBron as the best player in the league. So I feel like we're just watching some of that. Like, don't get me wrong. I still think Curry. I still think Harden. I still think Durant. I still think all those guys are better than Luka. But I think Luka's close to, close to overtaking all of them. I mean, look what he's doing with this roster he has um last or we still got two more matchups to hit on or i guess we only have one more because the jazz don't know who they're playing yet we probably won't be able to hit talk to y'all about that one until it's like game one or two or two so i don't know if we'll preview that one before it happens but let's go back to the eastern conference let's talk about the nets versus the bucks so not gonna lie Look, I think Milwaukee got made look a little bit better than they actually are in that series with Miami. I thought Miami was horrible. If anything I've seen in this regular season of basketball, it's that my terrible takes from the bubble mean absolutely nothing. Because, I mean, look at how bad the Heat were. The Heat pretty much lost Jay Crowder. You can't tell me Jay Crowder took him from the NBA Finals getting swept in the first round. I mean, he's good, but he's not that good. But I really just thought felt like that I, I just feel like this Bucks team, you know, they're out on a mission. I think it's series goes seven games, but I just feel like at the end of the day, KD, Kyrie, and Harden are the team of destiny this year. You know, we saw those LeBron teams of destiny. They would just get to a game seven and they would just outgrind you. Brooklyn's defense is not that bad. They were able to defend Boston when they needed to. In that first game, they were down by 10 at the half. 
Boston scored barely 40 points in the second half. That is damn good defense for this NBA era. I think it was like 45 points. That's great defense to hold a team under 50 for a half. I mean, I think this this team can do it. Now, Giannis is going to get his. He's going to score a ton. Holiday's opened a lot up for him. I mean, they have size inside. They can try to bully him. But what wins in this era of the NBA? It's three-point jump shots. I mean, at any point in time, this team's going to be able to get a bucket when they need it. Kevin Durant's going to have something to say. I mean, we've seen him go for 45 when he needs to. He's still that KD. I personally think they have the best player in the league playing on their team right now with Kevin Durant, who's currently the best player. Luke is not there yet, but... I don't think Milwaukee can get it done. I will say this, though. I got a max bet. I'm going to go give it to you all right now on Milwaukee tomorrow to win the game or to cover the spread. I think they'll win the game, though. What is the spread? Uh, four is the number I see right now. I don't. I might, I'll bet you it'll go down to three and a half tomorrow, but I got Milwaukee for sure tomorrow. So let me ask you something. On a scale of one to ten, ten meeting like Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, some of the best scorers in the NBA, where do you rank Jason Tatum? As an, as an overall as an overall player, not just a scorer. As an overall player, I'd probably put him at like an eight and a half to a nine. I would say so, I have Jason Tatum. I need to write out like my top 25 or 20 players. But I mean, Tatum's definitely in my top 20. I would like to think he's in my top 15. I like to think he's knocking on the door. I think he needs, I, I want to see like if his playmaking can get to be on that next level and if his defense, but I mean, Tatum just as a pure, a five score is probably one of the 10 best just pure scores in the league. So you got Tatum around eight, we'll call it eight and a half. I mean, what's Giannis? Giannis? I give Giannis like, I put Giannis at a 9.5 because Giannis is basically a 10 at everything except for shooting is like a two. So, I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way. The the Bucks the Bucks stopped the Celtics where they really only have one main score in Jason Tatum. You now have three of the top ten best scores in the NBA. Just scores. Kyrie is up there. I mean, I'll say this about the Bucks on paper, and I know that on paper means absolutely nothing, but on paper they do match up against the big three maybe better than anyone else, maybe the Sixers, but, but they have Drew Holiday, who's, who's a pretty good, uh, um, actually saying he's a pretty good perimeter defender is kind of undervaluing him. <laughs> Very good perimeter defender, Chris Middleton uh, on James Harden, and then Giannis on Kevin Durant. So I think on paper, it's all there now. Like I just said, on paper, it's a different story than in real life. Um, I, I think I'm going to take the Bucks to win the series because I haven't looked at it. Um, I could pull it up right now, kind of as I speak. If there's value on it, I don't see a reason in not taking that because it absolutely can be done. Th- this Nets team, even with all these superstars, they're not unbeatable. Now it's very hard to beat them. I'll admit that, but this team can. This team, meaning the um, the Bucks can defend that's what Budenholzer as a coach likes to do he likes to coach defensive teams um I don't know if they can score enough now I do want to mention that I think losing Dante DiVincenzo is a loss he's a guy off the bench that could be a spark plug plays good defense is very athletic um I don't know if Milwaukee's role players and it always comes down to the role players I don't know if they're good enough I think you need Pat Connaughton to almost shoot it like Joe Harris can shoot it. Because I think if Joe Harris gets around 20 points, 
meaning, you know, 15 to 20 plus, I don't know how you beat this Nets team. I simply think it's impossible. If, if Joe Harris gets 15 or more and all he does is sit on the three-point line and wait for Kyrie Harden or Durant to drive and kick him the ball. He's a very good shooter. So I think the strategy against the Nets, I mean, pick two guys. Pick two guys that, that you want to shut down and, and let everyone else shoot. And if, if they're going to make every single shot that they take, then so be it. But, you know, I think if you had to pick two guys – if I'm the Nets defending the Bucks, let Giannis score as much as he want, as wants. Shut down Drew Holiday. Shut down Brooke Lopez. Shut down Chris Middleton. If you're the Bucks, I don't know. I, I don't know who's the. I think Kai. I don't know. I th- I literally think Durant is like almost impossible to guard. Yeah. I think James Harden in an isolation situation is pretty close to impossible to guard. I think Kyrie Irving is. is Kyrie might be the worst shooter out of all three of them. Yeah. But but he gets an open shot every time because of his quickness, first step, and dribbling skills. So, I mean, I don't know. If you had to pick two out of the three, if you had to pick guys on the net to let them go off and shut down everyone else, do you let Durant go off and try and shut down Harden and Kyrie? Or do you let Kyrie go off and try and shut down the other two? I, I don't know. But that's the strategy. You can't let all three of them go off because you're not yeah. going to outscore them. Yeah, see, I feel like if you want to win, you're going to have to keep the ball to Harden's hands because when you think about it at the end of the day, <coughs> Durant and Kyrie prefer to score to the isolation. Obviously, so does James Harden, but James Harden's playmaking, I mean, he led the league in the Best six. playmaker on the team. Yeah, yeah best exactly. playmaker on the team. You want the ball out of his hands, but no. Um, by the way, the series price is plus 160 on the Bucks. I don't hate that at all because, I mean, it might not be lower than that for a while because I think Milwaukee's going to win game one. I think the Nets – I think it's going to go seven games, ultimately. I think the Nets will steal one in Milwaukee, and I think they'll end up defending home court the rest of the way. But I would not be shocked at all to see Milwaukee steal game one or two because I just feel like they're going to get a little fat and happy and complacent one of these two games. So it's going to happen. Also, I want to give just a little bit of advice here. So I'm looking at the book right now. Dallas is minus 160 favorite to win this series against the Clippers. That's the stupidest line I've ever heard. Think about it. Tonight, right now, you can go bet on Dallas to win the game tonight at plus 115. Let's say they lose that. Dallas is going to be at least a five-point underdog, at least a 160 underdog a year, at least a 130 underdog to win the game in game seven. So, I mean, realistically, you're better off betting on Dallas or Dallas money line both games than you would be by betting on the, on them to win the series. I mean, you're going to get them at a dog price in both those. Why would you bet on I mean, I just feel like betting at them on this point to win the series is before even knowing the odds is kind of pointless. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel like betting Dallas take it before the series started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a, hey, I almost remember I told you I was tempted to take that one. I wish I did. I'm kicking myself for it right now. Um, anything else we need to touch on before we get up out of here? If Paul George hits the side of the backboard on a three pointer tonight, you will never hear the end of it from me. <laughs> hey, over, I'll give his over under at half. If that was an option, I'd probably take the over. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's not that bad. That was that was just – I was never going to forget a player that people think is a superstar in the NBA on a corner three that was somewhat open hit the side of the backboard. Yeah, PG-13's got to get it together tonight. That's for damn sure. Ben, I appreciate you hopping on here and talking sports with me on a Friday. I'm, I'm not going to lie. This is one of my favorite par- podcasts we've done in a while. I feel like we had some of the best topics we've had in months. Yeah, man, this is a good one. Hopefully I can kind of turn – some of this around, uh, I was kind of looking at 
you know, I think I picked five. Well, it's not over, but you know, there's eight, eight series that we picked. Mm-hmm. Um, hoping to kind of turn that around. I haven't gotten a lot of the, the amount of games correctly. Um, as of now, I, I've gotten one, two, I've gotten two wrong. That was the Blazers over the Nuggets and the Lakers over the Suns. So Same. I have Clippers, Clippers over the Mavs in seven. So, um, you know, not bad right now in terms of picking the winners. I don't think that was as hard to do in the first round, but um, it is what it is. I, I always have a good time, you know, uh, coming on to talk sports with you, man. Hey, absolutely, Ben. It's always a good time. Um, hope everyone has a good weekend who listens to this. Uh, we appreciate all of you. Ben, hope you have a good weekend as well. We'll talk to you all again soon.